in our series, All I Ever Wanted, as we journey through what uh, I consider and lots of other folks think this might be the greatest chapter in all the Bible, Romans chapter 8. First week we discovered leading into Romans 8, Romans 7, 14 to 25, uh, we all still struggle, we all still have an old, sinful, selfish nature, Jose, that we want to wander, we, we want to do things we know we shouldn't be doing. Our old sinful flesh is still a daily part of our struggle. But thank the Lord for Romans 8.1. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Our sin debt has been washed clean, past, present, future. And then, <laughs> He washes our sin debt clean, and then He gives us the power to live free. And the power to live free comes from the Holy Spirit that comes and resides right inside of us. Week number two, we discovered that all followers of Jesus have been adopted into the royal family of Christ. Think about that. All of us who know Jesus personally have been adopted into Christ's royal family, which means, Romans 8, 17, we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, so we have divine privileges, royal privileges, when trouble or difficulty or pain or suffering or a situation we don't have a clue about, we have access instantly to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He says, come on in, run into me boldly and confidently. Why? Because I've adopted you into my family, and I'll give you the grace, the mercy, the wisdom, the peace. Everything you need, I'll bring to you in your time of need. Last Sunday, week number three, we found from Romans 8, 17 to verse 25, that God is more concerned about molding our character than making us comfortable. I still don't like that, but I know it to be true. God's more concerned about making us more like Jesus than He is our cozy, comfortable lives. God loves us with a strong, perfecting love, never a pampering love. And we found there are five roots of pain and suffering we endure. Recall that last week? We live in a fallen planet. We live in fallen bodies. We live among fallen people. We have an enemy who hates us. But number five is so good, but we have a God who loves us. Now today, we're going to venture into the section in Romans 8 that's probably the most well-known. We're going to be in Romans 8, verses 28 to 30, it's the most well-known uh, section of uh, this chapter, but it's probably the most misunderstood and oftentimes the most misapplied verses in Romans chapter 8. Uh, we're going to discover today that our God promises to recycle evil into His good plan. Our God promises, I'm going to recycle evil into my good plan here on planet earth. So if you can, would you please stand with me? We're going to read out loud starting with verse number 28 and uh, we're going to read down through verse 30 
Um, again, some of the most well-known verses in all of God's Word. Are you ready? Here we go. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for... (laughs) First of all, thank You for Romans chapter 8. One of the most rich and powerful sections in all of your inspired book. So thank you for the privilege we have to dig in together. We need your help now, Lord, because the section we just read is often uh, misunderstood and even misused. So Lord, would you help us to dig in clearly and understand exactly what you mean when you say you work for our good? Would you please help these weak lips? Lord, uh, would you help us to listen clearly to what it is you have to say to us today? Uh, We need you and we invite your Holy Spirit to come and be welcome today in your church. We drink deeply from you, streams of living water. Might, Might they start flowing in our lives even now as we invite your Son to take charge in our lives. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one strong voice, be seated. Amen. (laughs) Begin with some hard questions, okay? Can you handle some hard questions? Here we go. Is God still good when life isn't good? Mm -hmm. How could God take a global pandemic with millions of people who caught the virus and died, even some people we know and love, how could any sane person call that good? Because that's what we just read, right? How can anyone call chronic anxiety, stage 4 cancer, divorce, earthquake, sexual abuse, tsunamis, war, COVID, how could you ever say that awful stuff is good? where we want to begin with some hard questions. So let me begin with a clarifying point, okay? Here's, here's the point. Not all things in life are good. It's true. Much of what happens in this fallen world is evil and wrong and awful and very bad and wicked, okay? That's the fact. Not everything in life is good, And if we walk around saying, well, everything's good and God's working it good, people are going to look at us and say, where where are you sticking your head? I don't understand. You're, You're not in reality. And they're right. Much of what happens in this fallen world is evil and wrong and sinful and bad, and we can even call it wicked. Okay? So that's the first clarifying point we got to get. Now let's go back to verse 28 and look closely because the Lord isn't saying through Paul everything's good. It says, and we know that in all things God works for good. 
See the difference? Uh, if, if you see that, no, not everything is good, but God works for the good of those who love Him. That's very different than just saying everything's good. No, no, lots of things are really bad and awful. Our awesome God has the power to bring good out of the bad things and the evil things and the awful things of life. That's very different, okay? The God of the Bible has the power to transform Good Fridays into Easter's, okay? He promises, and this is the key, to recycle evil into His good plan. Lots of stuff here on earth is just plain awful and evil, but our God is so awesome that He can recycle that and make it into His good plan. Our God is bigger than all of our failures, than all of our tragedies. Our God is bigger and more awesome than all of our pain and all of our suffering. Now here's the rub. You ready? There is a rub here. Most of us have this unwritten agreement we have with, with God. And here's, here's how it goes. Um, I, I have this understanding. It's unspoken, Lord. But here's the agreement. I'll live for you. I'll be nice. I'll be good. I'll give to your church and to your kingdom. I might even, Lord, uh, serve. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll work in the nursery. I'll help Brant with the teens. I'll greet people. I might even join a life group. But here's the agreement. But in return, I expect that you'll do stuff for me, okay? Keep cancer and car accidents away from me and my loved ones. That's the agreement. Um, I'll serve you, Lord, but I expect that you'll help me to prosper on the job, keep my grandchildren and my children from wandering from the faith, um, heal my bad eye, Lord, and, and that's the agreement. Now, I'll do my stuff. Now, you do your stuff. And, and it's unwritten, but a lot of times... That's exactly what we're thinking. I'll, I'll be good, and I'll do it your way, and then you'll always come through on your end for me. So here's the question. What happens when God doesn't come through for us like we thought He should? What happens when I did my part, and I still get sick? What does it mean when surgery doesn't go well? Is God still good when my loved one dies? Because I prayed... And I prayed and I fasted even and, and, and I even got anointed and, and it still was bad. Is God mad at us when my situation isn't good? Those are the hard questions we need to deal with. Um, because when bad stuff happens, where's God when all the really bad stuff happens in my life? Better get that. It might be the Lord. Uh, you never know. Where is God when really awful things happen and happens to not just me, but the people I love? Where is He in all of that? I want to introduce you to a guy by the name of Joe. In Genesis chapter 37, uh, Joseph um, is so hated and despised. His, his older brothers are so jealous of him that they literally sell him into slavery. Can you imagine your brothers and sisters 
selling you, and now your property, and you're living in Egypt, and, and your, your owner is a guy named Potiphar. In Genesis 39, Joseph refuses Potiphar's wife and her advances sexually uh, regarding him. Remember what happens? What happens? He's, he's thrown into prison, and now he's wasting away, and then in Genesis 41, he helps a fellow prisoner with a dream, and then that prisoner forgets him in two more years. He's in prison. But I love Genesis 50 and verse 20. Here's, here's what it says. Jodis, jo, Joseph finally um, is uh, out of prison, and here's his conclusion about what his brothers had done to him. Um, here's what it says. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. You intended to, to do bad things to me, but God used it for good. He brought me into this position so that I could save the lives of many people. Now, is that not a wild perspective? And that's the big one. Joseph said, brothers of mine, you did real harm to me. You showed me evil, but God used this awful situation for good to accomplish his plans. You understanding? Joseph saw the big picture. He says, what you did wasn't good. It was bad. It was awful. It was even evil. God permitted some really bad, wicked stuff to happen so that his child, Joseph, could accomplish his purpose. And I'm telling you, we need to see that in the lives of others. So then you start to get a glimpse of what the Lord's doing in our lives. Last week, I talked about Johnny Erickson Tata. Remember her? At 17, she dove into the shallow waters, paralyzed from the neck down. After 50 years in her wheelchair, she writes... While the devil's motive in my disability was to shipwreck my faith by throwing a wheelchair in my way, I'm convinced that God's motive was to thwart the devil and use the wheelchair to change me and make me more like Christ through it all. <laughs> the devil was trying to destroy me, but I realized the wheelchair was there to change me and make me more like Christ, through all that I've endured for the last 53 years. That's exactly what Romans 8, 29, go back there with me, tells us. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. To those that God, He knew about it, He had a plan, He conformed us to be more and more in the image of His Son Jesus Christ, which means, look at me now, God's goal for all of us who know Jesus and love Jesus, if you're a Jesus follower, here's God's goal for your life, to make you more and more like His Son, Jesus Christ. That's His goal for all of us. He wants us to become more and more like Jesus. And it says in Romans 8.17, we looked at that a couple weeks ago, Jesus suffered on the cross, bearing all of our sin and shame. And then it says, if He suffered, we're going to become more like Jesus. We can expect to endure hardship and pain and suffering. Did you, did you understand that? Again, um, He wants us to be more like Jesus. 
And if we share in His glory, we're also going to share in His suffering, and that's what makes us more and more like Jesus. Have you ever seen a t-shirt that said, I love Jesus and I get to suffer and endure pain? Hobby Lobby, did you ever see one of those plaques in there? Uh, Is that ever on Pinterest? I love Jesus and I get to suffer and I get to endure pain. Amen? We, We don't think that way, but it's the truth. And we need to understand God uses suffering and pain and difficult times to make us more like Jesus. The problem is, when I think of God working in all things for good, my definition of good usually means easy and comfortable and happy and cozy and fun. Anybody? If it's good, it must be happy and easy and comfortable And I'm just telling you, that's not God's definition of good. That's our definition. But the problem is, when it comes to good, God's got a definition, and I've got a different definition that's way, way different. Is a budget where you tell your money to flow, is that a good thing? Is it a good thing to have a budget? Okay? What what do you you think? Don and Martha would tell us, well... Budgets can feel confining, budgets can feel restrictive, but the truth is, FPU graduates will tell you, if you really want to know long-term freedom with our finances, budgets are a good thing. But they're not always fun. Matter of fact, sometimes it feels really bad. Here's another question. Is dieting and exercise a good thing? And, and all said, oh, amen, yeah, I like it. Uh, I'm going to say no to onion rings and Johans, and I'm going to sweat, and I'm going to push my body harder than I want to, and it's going to be sweaty and hard and painful. Is that a good thing? Um, let me think on that a bit. Uh, yes, good health is a good thing, but it really is often a hard thing. Um, Is surgery on your eye for the third time a good thing? I've been thinking on that question for a while. It's not fun, it's not cheap, it's not easy, but if the other option is to go blind, yeah, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. You understand? Our definition of good is usually so much different than what God says good is for us. Some of you have probably been wondering what's going on over here. Okay, well, let me show you a bit. Um, <clears throat> we have a coffee maker and a filter and uh, some coffee. And I actually had <clears throat> our resident expert on coffee um, is Pastor Brent. Did you know that? If you, if, you, if you aspire to be a coffee snob, go talk to Pastor Brent. He'll, he'll, he'll inform you. So he brought me some, some of these beans, I suspect, uh, which are pricey. So thank you, Pastor Brant, for the pricey beans. Anyway, um, so if you're going to make coffee, you've got to start with the bean. And uh, I, I suspect these are really good beans. So I just thought, I, it's kind of nasty, really. 
So then you need to take that nasty little thing, and then um, you need to grind it up, okay? And, and, and then you need to put the filter inside, okay? And then you pour the grounds uh, after you've ground them up. And by the way, that's not very tasty. And, and I tried chewing on the filter, and it really didn't swallow very good. So I'm not going to do that again, okay? And, and then you put water in, and, and Pastor Brandt tells me even the water you put in is important, and you need to make sure the water is just right. Now, and then you let it brew at just the right temperature and the right length of time, and then you, you get it all together in the proper order, and then you say, is coffee a good thing? It's really good. I'm just telling you. But please understand, each of these individually by themselves, not so good. Do you understand? But, but if you do the process correctly and in the right order and you get everything put together in the right way, it results in a really good thing. I just want an excuse to take another drink. Uh, but I'm just telling you, the Lord is doing some things, and the bean doesn't taste that good, and the filter uh, is, is not good to chew, and the plastic bag that keeps it fresh, no, that's no good, and the water's hot, and it takes too long. But if you follow the process, it's a good thing. And I'm just here to tell you, God's doing a good thing, but each of the parts don't necessarily feel so good. Again, our definition of good is often so different than the Lord's. I need to say it again because I need to remind myself, good does not equal easy, fun, and comfortable. God wants us to be more like Jesus. The Lord is really mostly interested in conforming us and doing something good in us so that we're more and more like Christ. And that often involves stretching and getting pulled and pressed, and it's usually really hard and challenging and difficult. Three thoughts in conclusion. Quoting Romans 8.28 to someone who's in the middle of trauma and trouble and suffering is not helpful, okay? So often, um, someone gets in a bad situation and we don't know what to say, so we go and, and we say, well, we know that God is working this out for good um, you love Jesus, right? So the Lord is doing something good in your life. Um, so I, I know something good is happening, even though the person is suffering and in pain and has just lost somebody or, or things just feel hopeless and helpless. Just give me your eyes. Quoting this verse is not kind. And we need to remember that is not the time to share theological truth. It's true, God is doing something good in those that He loves, but to 
tell them that at this time feels harsh and shallow and spiritually smug. Um, someone hurting around you, just sit with them. <laughs> Say nothing. Job's friends were great friends until they opened their mouths, right? They just sat there for a long time, seems like even days, and they were doing a good and godly and kind thing, just sat there and said nothing. Maybe give them a hug, say, I love you and I'm here for you, and then that's it. To try to share Romans 8.28 right in the middle of hard times is not a good time. Second, we need to recognize that God's big picture plan is way beyond our puny brains and what they can comprehend, okay? We just need to know um, God's got a plan, and I know it to be true, and, I, and I've seen glimpses of it at times, but I need to understand what Isaiah 55 and verse 8 says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, Lord. And my ways, the Lord says, are far beyond anything you can imagine. So just know this, the Lord has got this awesome plan in place, and He knows what He's doing, but the problem is we don't see the whole picture. We don't see the whole picture. Somebody said that it would have been like a, Handel's wife, and she, she comes out, and she looks a little bit of his amazing symphony, and just a few lines, and it's in a minor key, and he, and he doesn't play the whole thing, and she doesn't understand, so this is really awful. And the truth is, it's, it's amazing, but they just saw just a little perspective. We see just little glimpses. Our ways are not God's ways. His ways are way beyond us. Third, God uses fragile, temporary vessels like us to get His perfect plan accomplished. Aren't you glad? God uses all the pain, all the trauma that we endure. It, it leaves scars. It makes us look like we're wasting away. But understand, inwardly, God is growing, growing us. He, he's, he's doing more and more things to make us more and more like Jesus. Strong determined, Lord, I'm going to do it your way, I'm going to walk with you, I'm going to grow, even when I don't understand it, I'm going to hold on tight. And then we get to 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 and 17. Would you stand with me? We're going to read, if you're able, we're going to read these out loud together. These, these are good verses, I'm telling you. 2 Corinthians 4, Verses 16 and 17. We got those? I hope. Yep, there we go. You ready? Let's read these out loud together. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. Let's pray. Amen. Lord, you're awesome. And we just want to say thank you 
for using fragile and temporary vessels like us, like your children. You're almighty and awesome and so amazing that you even take evil and awful stuff of this fallen world and you use it to accomplish your good and amazing plan. So Lord, would you help us to trust you when the storms of life are fierce and the fiery darts are flying in from every direction? And I know for a fact, some standing right here today, some of my friends watching online are right in the middle of a storm. The pain, the struggle, the suffering are very real. Would you give them the faith they need to hold on tight to you? Lord, and would you help us to notice those in the family around us who are in trouble? And Lord, would you give us the courage to move toward them with love and grace and kindness and patience? And finally, Lord, there very well might be some here today, maybe some watching online, they don't know your son, Jesus. They've never said yes. They've never been born again. They don't have the good shepherd to walk with them through the hard times. Lord, would you make them hungry and thirsty to know you? Would even today you knock loudly on their heart's door, might they be ready to invite your son Jesus into their lives? Might they say yes to the cross and the shed blood and the empty tomb today? Because Lord, that's where that relationship begins. You paid that sin debt, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You empower us with your spirit, you adopt us into your family, and you're working powerfully, accomplishing good stuff to make us more like your son Jesus. So we praise you for that. Anybody watching online right now, you hit that button, you say, you know what, I I need that Jesus that you're talking about. You're here in the building, make your way over to the prayer corner. We'd love to pray with you, introduce you to Jesus, get you started on the journey. We love you, Jesus. You're awesome, and thank you for your book. It tells us, gives us perspective about what's going on around us. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray all these things. Amen.